Hello. Welcome <laughs> to Beer in a Movie, the podcast where we combine two of the greatest art forms known to humanity, beer and movies, sometimes achieving outstanding pairings and other times giving ourselves the opportunity to watch the terrible taste of failure from our mouths. I am one of your illustrious co-hosts, Carlos Cooper, with me as always, Joe Hilliard and Dave Gurney, and we're going to drink a beer while we talk about a movie or two in that order. I think we'll do two. I think we'll do two. I think so. Um, I see I. I see it with my third. Uh, <laughs> it's also one of those double new release episodes. Yes, we, uh, you know, we have this impending all horror October month that Couldn't we talked more about excited. last week, um, which if you are a Patreon subscriber, you can help us program one of those episodes. And if you're not, you should be probably patreon.com slash beer and movie podcast. It's only $5 a month and you get a bonus episode every single week. And so with that looming, that means that there is a whole month ahead of us where we are mostly going to be looking at older films. We will have at least one new release or we will have one new release episode. Um, and For so sure. with this month, there being some things coming out, we knew that we had two films that we wanted to see that were new releases. Why the dilly dallying? Why the tomfoolery? Let's just add them to, let's put them in the right. same episode, two new releases, no tie in between the films at all, except that they're new and we wanted to watch them. Yeah. Absolutely. We don't. We don't need anything else except to 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 watch films that, except for the desire to watch. Enough them. of this jibber jabber. I'm gonna open up a beer and put it in our glass. And I'm holding a gorgeous can. It's called Ennio Pills. It's an Italian style pilsner. And I'm gonna reach deep to try to connect this to the film that we will be watching today. I believe in you. Number one, this is an Ennio Pills. This is clearly a throw a a, a homage. To uh, help say his name for me, Carlos. Ennio Morricone. Right. And <laughs> back think, in, or Morricone. Right. I, I've heard it both ways. Back in episode. Il Maestro. 154, just a few weeks ago, we did The Good and the Bad and the Ugly, which of course has his signature mm. score in it. <laughs> oh, wow. Got, that's ballsy. <laughs> I will also mention before I continue connecting these dots that the last time we had an Italian-style Pilsner was episode 111, Terrifica, uh, the, uh, when we did the uh, Fulci episode. Ooh. Oh, yeah, yeah, Speaking yeah. of Zombie. Or October. They say, Ennio Pils is our take on the dry-hopped German-style Pilsners of Italy, brewed with bark pilsner malt and hopped with aromatic german hops inspired by the spaghetti western films of the 1950s if only we'd had this in our hands back when i know we that did you're holding the good this back can and only the to good, introduce the beer but i need it give it to me <laughs> so we're we didn't do this with the good and the bad the ugly we're kind of revisiting all of that we're also revisiting a movie that i know we unanimously i'm gonna say adored tell someone tell me if i'm yeah, wrong no, that was uh, sparks the Sparks Brothers. The Sparks Brothers, the documentary Edgar by Edgar documentary, Wright that yeah. we watched just a few weeks ago. So what's the tie-in? Well, the Sparks have created all of the music for a movie that made quite a stir at the Cannes Film Festival just a few months ago that now you can watch on Amazon Prime called Annette, 
Did, did I get there? Was was I close? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We didn't talk enough about how much we loved the music of the good and the bad and the ugly, and we didn't. Uh, uh, Even though we we shared our adoration for the Sparks Brothers movie, I don't think you could ever do enough uh, talking about Sparks and, and spreading the good word about the work that these uh, brothers do. Yeah, uh, and so there's the tie-in. We got there. <laughs> the only uh, thing I knew about Annette going into this was that who the star who starred in it. And that it had a musical component. Marion Cotillard. And that it was very critically and audience divided. That's all I knew going in. Yeah. So this was a film that I think was on the horizon there. I think I had heard about this uh, well before seeing the Sparks Brothers documentary. But it gets brought up in that documentary. So the stage was set here for us. Um, for a very theatrical film, I think, it, in many ways. This is a musical, um, as you would expect, with, as Joe said, the Sparks, uh, Sparks having done the score for this film um, and also co-written the screenplay along with its director, uh, Leos Carax. And have the story by credits as well. Right, right. So the, the basic idea here is you have a couple. You have a, a successful stand-up comedian, um, a brash sort of conceptual stand-up comedian who uh, is falls in love with an opera singer. Uh, their love leads to marriage and children or a child, and that child uh, sort of drives a wedge between them in a, in a certain sense that was already probably there before the child came, and uh, the, the opera singer dies, and we end up in a situation where uh, there's, you know, um, some guilt, maybe, maybe not. And once we get past that, we get into this career that the child has, singing with the voice of its mother, sort of magically, yeah. um, in this uh, fantastical Baby way. Baby Annette, yes. Uh, so I, I'm explaining it in fairly plain terms, because I just kind of want to lay a, the yeah. foundation of, of what kind of story we're talking about. It's really this character's journey, right, uh, played by Adam Driver, uh, the, the comedian, Henry McHenry who, uh, you know, is chronicled here as like a tortured artist, essentially, who couples with another artist, maybe not as tortured as him, um, and and sort of where his life goes when he's challenged by her success and his own struggles and then how that plays out through their daughter's life and all that. So, I, I don't usually read reviews of the films before we get together after I've seen them with a few exceptions and that is when I'm grappling with the material mm-hmm. when I'm confused by the material I'll sometimes seek out some reviewers that whose you know opinion I generally respect to see if they could maybe lead me in a path or what did they take away and I've got to tell you upon finishing the film halfway through the film I was really struggling with this movie mm. And when I say that it's critically divided, that's another bit of research I did. I couldn't be more correct. A bunch of five-star reviews, a bunch of one-star reviews. Yeah. And um, I'm, I was really, really curious to see where you guys landed on it. Well, I know where David landed on it. David loves this movie. <laughs> I, David, don't say a word. David, don't say a word. Because I thought, Carlos, about playing that game ahead of time. <laughs> I don't think David liked it quite as much as you did, but I can tell you why I think you, I, I, I think I know why you think David liked it. And that is because every aspect of this film is an experiment. 
Every aspect of this film is presenting something that maybe you haven't quite seen like this before. We say that it's a musical. We did the um, uh, Repo, the Genetic Opera (laughs) recently. And I think that we all landed on the positive side of that film. But it's one of those films where... Now, not everything is sung in this film, but there's a lot of singing dialogue that doesn't have to be. But that's the choice that Karak's made again and again and again, in my opinion, of doing something I don't have to do to present something that kind of has never been seen before. I I, I see where you're coming from. I mean, I, I definitely, I think Karak's as a director is always about sort of pushing boundaries and buttons with audiences I loved, I, yes, I did love this film. So okay. I, I guess I, I'll, I'll just show my hand. I, I thought this film was tremendous. Um, it's everything I wanted it to be and more. And seeing Sparks' creativity on the screen, the Mail Brothers' creativity mm-hmm. on the screen, I feel like is something that's pretty astounding. And that I, I know this is Karax's film as well, and I see his fingerprints on it. Without a doubt. But I see it as this true collaboration between these visionary artists slightly off kilter throughout their entire career certainly and they are like you say i think there's a lot of experimentation going on i think you know yes this is a musical but have you ever seen characters singing while they're going to the restroom have you ever seen characters singing while they are having sex uh Mm -hmm. very intimate with one another no i haven't right (laughs) you know even even having seen repo the genetic opera there wasn't I'm trying to remember. There weren't straight up sex scenes where they were singing through the sex scene. Right? No, but if you want so. to see that in a very, in my, I'll give it to you, erotic way, hey, Annette is right up your alley. Because I felt that that scene was... To well, trim- whether I want to see that specifically, I, I'm curious as the experiment of putting it together. Like, what is going on here? I've seen your DVD collection, David. I know you're very into that. Well, and there's a lot of other things, too. I mean, the choice to, this is going to come up sooner or later, the choice to use a marionette puppet for baby Annette mm-hmm. through that. most of the film. Right. Where, with, with, you know, with no explanation and no... Um, no, who cares? No awareness on the part. Yeah, yeah there's no, no awareness. It's not acknowledged by no, no. the character. She's presented that, yeah. as a human child, even though and she accepted is... accepted as a human yeah, child. A, a puppet. And there are definitely moments of like hyper-stylization with no recognition from the filmmakers to the audience or of the characters within the situation. The uh, moment that I think of the most with that, other than the very obvious doll baby thing, is what we see on the poster when they're on the yeah. boat in the storm, mm-hmm. literally the like everything around them is like waves yeah. in like a, a, a very non-realistic way. It's like, it's almost as if like Aquaman has created some kind of like air bubble around mm-hmm. them while all these waves are crashing onto it, but they're still okay right. from it. Kind of, you know, it's, it's a very surreal. Well, it, harken, it harkens back to like studio based filmmaking of, you know, classical Hollywood era yeah. where you could play off a yeah. storm scene There's in a boat. There's a few stagehands off, but the, off uh, but camera the, throwing water yes, onto exactly, the actors. Exactly, yeah. But, yeah. but the difference is, yeah. is the wall behind them is a green screen yeah. that is water. Yeah. It's all, it's like, it's, you never, you can't see any sky or horizon because yeah. it's all waves yeah. and water. And it's yeah. very, very odd. It's, Fantastic! I loved that. Yeah, I, in uh, fact, Carlos, I mean, that leaps frog. I mean, right into what like the biggest pro of this film for me before I, you know, play my card the way uh-huh. David did, is that it's visually stunning. This film is mm-hmm. visually, 
it's worth seeing for the visuals of the, of the film. No argument for me. There's very few scenes shot in a way that 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 big big thought wasn't given to the production design of every corner of the frame. And I don't think there's anything that's really shot in a way that you would have expected it to be shot. I think that's another thing about it that's like uh, we could have seen another lesser filmmaker like Steven Spielberg for for instance uh <laughs> have played it in a more traditional like uh realistic way and in this film every opportunity they got to make something slightly off kilter they did mm-hmm. like Adam Driver does stand up in a fucking bathrobe and his underwear. Like that's well, weird. No, you know? And then, what, what, and, and, the, the, and, and the, it isn't stand up. It's like performance, it's more performance art. art. Yeah, but it's supposed to be stand up. And that's another thing too. Is like we're presented with a stand up comedian, and what we are actually given is a performance artist. Yeah. But in the world that Henry McHenry occupies, he is a classic stand up. Like they treat him as that, sure. and they react to him right. as that. Oh, but nothing's and, happening on screen that makes any sense at all because the audience is participatory in his act, where yes. they're singing back to him and singing along. Yeah. And there's yeah. a and they're all, I, mean, I actually they're I love cue. some of those scenes. Like the, yeah. the way they set them up, it's just very. You know, usually even in a musical, you have like the performers on the stage, maybe in a sequence, they're doing the act. But rarely is it about the audience and the performers interacting. I kind of thought those were cool. And it was interesting how they did it, too, because it was almost as if he was working with the audience beforehand to perfectly time when they were, you know. And so that's another really kind of surreal thing that they did where the audience is doing what they're supposed to do at the exact time they're supposed to do it to make the bit work. Yeah. And, and I mean, but we're not seeing any bit of reality. No, 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 no. And, and it is always interesting whenever you like, if you have a movie about a fictional band or a movie about any fictional kind of artist, the art, in which they create is often not very good, you know? But the audience, it, it, but, but they're the biggest act in yeah, but America, the, but, the world. But in this one, right. the tickled my wife to death bit is actually not bad. <laughs> like, <laughs> like when that turn comes, you know, yeah. and, uh, I, I thought that was pretty funny actually. Like I wasn't like laughing out loud or anything right. like that, but I was like, Oh yeah, that was, that was a clever, that was a clever bit. And like a, as close to like traditional standup and I and I think not super far off from maybe what we would expect from standup that we get from Henry McHenry which uh, and then also his like shadow boxing warm up yeah. thing. I mean, uh, that's all kind of funny too. Uh, the way that he's filmed on the motorcycle is very yeah. like bound to uh, the Kanye song that James Franklin yeah, and Seth yeah, Rogen. Yeah. It's like there's a green screen behind yeah. you, you know, yeah. I, I don't know. I feel like there was a lot of green screen in this now that I'm saying it, talking about it out loud that actually is in benefit to the film in a weird yeah, way. There, it's very stylized. It's, it has yeah. this theatricality to it. I mean, it's about performers. We see a lot of sequences of them performing on stage. Even when we see them out, right. We see them in kind of like weird theatrical backdrops. The, the, the fact that the final scene of the film is like in a you know visitation area at a prison, and it turns into the stage for this father daughter, you know, coming to terms with one another or final yeah. party. I mean, I, I want to uh, reference the opening so scene, which is one of two times that we see Sparks Brothers on film. On, Ron and you know, Russ. It, yeah. Yeah. Oh, that uh, opening and the opening is sequence so good. is, in it. my opinion, the only song that you might put onto like a movie soundtrack 
playlist. Yeah, it's be- the single. If, because, if you're gonna yeah. have a sure. single from this film, it's and the most it shows song. it shows both actors putting on their wardrobe to begin putting their character it's onto an, the film. It's an overture. Yeah, right. Yeah, but we're seeing the the uh, Carrick's or Carrick's because I say Carrick's. Yeah, I'm gonna say Carrick. Carrick's showing us you're about to see a well he's art piece. you know he's the you're engineer about to see at the board in the studio right as they're yeah. about to sure. record it totally see, makes I mean, sense the metaphor of the uh-huh. recording studio you see the sparks is, brothers doing their thing yeah. uh, one the, of them singing the other one's keyboarding and then everyone stands up and then walks out onto the street and then we get to see that this is going to be a musical in the sense that yeah. the, the actors are going to be singing you to when they normally the wouldn't it's and like the, now we're going to begin or something like yeah it's now the show can start now can we start yeah now can we start it's and it's a it's a good song yeah it's a good song I'll never get tired of seeing Ronald on his keyboard instead of Roland. Yeah. It just fucking tickles me every time. Yeah, go back to our Sparks Brothers review and you, you can hear a lot more about them. But I loved that scene and setting up the idea that we're going to see something theatrical and musical. Um, then there's another scene where um, we learn that that Annette may not even be Adam Driver's child. That she right. had a short affair right before meeting uh, Henry McHenry, Adam Driver's character. Which means they got engaged and married really fast. Hey, they're celebrities. That well, happens all the time. I kind of got that sense. for. I mean, it's it's very collapsed in the way we see it in the film. And, and some of it is encapsulated in these weird little uh, inserts of, like, Entertainment Tonight. like TMZ. But, but really poorly, weirdly produced ones, which I kind of love for lo- the no, I love way those. that they did that. Right. Like, they're just gaudy enough to be believable as tabloid media but not competent tabloid media and so, so after Anne, henry's wife drowns mm-hmm. and then he is a single father widower then drowns um, after he's forced her to dance uh, on the while he's drunk, deck of the ship uh, yeah, while he's during drunk the storm during that a Carlos terrible storm about. yeah right then we meet oh i guess we didn't meet but we're getting to know now this uh, another new character played by uh, simon helberg who you. does Probably the best Nick Cage impression I've ever heard in my life. Oh sure, in he's incredible. No, not in this. In, oh, it, he does it it's in his stand-up act like, on Conan. Yeah. He did on Conan, but here. but like probably the only like five minutes of The Big Bang Theory I've ever enjoyed was him, his character running a Dungeons and Dragons campaign, and one of the non-playing characters they meet is like a tree that talks, and he's since he's running it, he does Nick Cage's voice as a tree, and so he's talking to the other guys mm-hmm. as, and it's a perfect impression yeah let's oh, post wow. that on our facebook and For other sure. places travel with caution these woods are home to the bones of many a fallen hero uh, this week but th- i loved this shot it was uh the camera is spinning around him uh-huh. while he conducts an orchestra yeah and he's talking to the camera I am a conductor. Yes. I had a brief relationship with Anne. And, yeah. and, and and while the camera's slowly panning left, and then he goes, excuse me for a moment. Then the camera's moved behind him where you see the orchestra he's been conducting the entire time, and there's some orchestral swell. And he, it, and he starts getting really into sure. it as well. Then it comes back around and goes, now, as I was saying. Yeah. And it's those kinds of pieces throughout the film that kept me engaged when the story was not engaging me at all. Oh, that's uh, the the yeah. visuals of Annette kept me engaged when the story wasn't connecting with yeah. me at all. Then the final scene, David, that you referenced, 
Annette the puppet comes to visit her father, who has been discovered because of her kind of declarative notion <laughs> that my daddy, Bowl. my dad, at the Hyper Bowl, which how was, beautiful which was a moment! Like the, I know, but like yeah. the way it was pulled off, just like the silence in the stadium, uh-huh. this like. She's there to you perform know, her very last concert at the please, halftime oh of the God, Hyper Bowl. Please be patient. She is just a baby. Yes. She does not sing on I was laughing. Cue. I was crying. I was smiling. Uh-huh. I was off. I was, that was as close to the real Super Bowl as most people ever get with, for me. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, I love that and, whole build of the scene. But And rather than singing at her final concert, yeah. she says, rather... My daddy kills people because she has <laughs> observed that yeah. she has observed both of the murders. That it's he... funny that you think that's so funny. <laughs> oh, it's so funny and so and so heart wrenching and so devastating all at the same time. They decided to tell this story this way. That's what's funny about it. Yeah. That, like, come on, this is the weirdest fucking setup. It's <laughs> weird for, oh, for this, this moment. It's weird. It's weird yeah. But when she, the puppet, visits her, now she's older. She's a little more goth. And she visits her gaunt father now in but prison still like, you in know, the visiting like a four-year-old, five-year-old? Is that what she's She's still, like, I, I would say six. She's, yeah. she's more vocal. I yes. mean, she's yeah, older absolutely. because she can speak and have but dialogue. she's really vocal as then, a baby. a human actor to play Annette shows up. Replaces the Replaces the puppet. And in then, a weird in a weird sequence yeah. where you see the puppet and the child together for a moment. The, child, the, the human puts her hand on the puppet's shoulder yeah. and yeah. then replaced by the right. yeah. yeah. And they have a conversation about because he's in prison for murdering his mother. I'm sorry, uh, her, her mother, her, the yeah. child's mother, and maybe her father. Yeah. Depending on what we believe about who the father is of the child. Right. And they begin a song dialogue of. Can I still love you? You have no one in this prison to love anymore. You're safe. No one in this world to love. But you have no one in the world to love. Well, can't I love you? No, no. daddy, you can't. And I was, I mean, my allergies kicked in so hard at that moment. (laughs) That's what we're calling it. After two hours and 20 minutes of not really connecting with any of it, it had brought me to a place where these characters completely, completely emotionally wrecked me. Yeah, oh, well, can, I'm glad to hear it I, got there for you. Can I talk about the connecting thing a little bit? No, I mean, you don't need to be done. You can say more things. But, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, so here, so here, here are my negatives for the the, the film. Um, I wasn't sure exactly what the point of all of it was for a while. <laughs> it's, a very, it's a very common criticism. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Listen, was, people make these things to entertain each other. There's usually messages that go beyond that. But I, yeah. No, I, I mean, look, I, I get that there doesn't have to be a point to it. Like, there doesn't have to be some kind of, like, moral superlative or anything. Like, um there doesn't even necessarily need to be a I message. Think if, I think, if anything, this film is guilty of being too obvious with some of the themes it's trying to well p- put may, out on display. I, and at the at the end, by the end, maybe, but like during okay. the whole thing of it, I was like, okay. Um, but aside from that, I mean, and and I did have a similar experience with Joe after having finished it, where I was like grappling with it, where I was like, what did I just watch? Like you know, and and that kind of thing, but. My main criticism is that Adam Driver is terribly distracting to me. Oh. And I we can all admit he's not good at singing, right? 
Or are we going to pretend like we like his singing voice? Because I swear to God, if it, one honestly, of you motherfuckers pretends like you I'm like gonna, his singing voice. I'm not going to say he has a good voice, but, I, but I'm not going to go there and say that he has a terrible voice. Yeah, I he mean, didn't have a terrible voice. He's, he's not a strong singer. He's but he, a talk singer through yeah. most of it. Yeah. And he's close enough to the melody that it doesn't it didn't put me off it didn't i, yeah. I under and he was kind of like the rough character so it kind of made sense that he was always a little bit rough on yeah. his you know it didn't just me. just like it just like a character Marin in cotillard on the other hand and, beautiful no, that's different beautiful. yeah just like a character in the second film we'll talk about today you were very good at rationalizing david uh, <laughs> uh, i yeah i found adam driver ter- ter- terribly distracting and it wasn't it was the singing was the least of my worries. So you know we've talked about different actors in the past. We talked about John Wayne to tie it back to the beer we're drinking. We've talked about Keanu Reeves. We've talked about these actors who are movie stars more than they're actors. You know, like mm-hmm. those guys are movie stars. They're usually playing close to like a similar character they played in the past, something that plays to their strengths. And it isn't necessarily that they're great at doing this like immersive transformative kind of acting, but they have an undeniable on-screen presence that makes them entertaining to watch. And I respect that. And I appreciate that. And I think that is what Adam driver is. Like, I think he obviously has a very, very distinct look, you know, and he had, and as, that's as the mu- distracting thing for me is as, just his facial features. As, as much as I don't, care for him on screen i can't act like he's like terrible to watch or that like i hate seeing him on screen like he does have a certain charisma to him Mm -hmm. now what i where i have landed with him is that he's had some performances that have been praised and so now he fancies himself this very serious actor and to me personally and this could just be me like Mm -hmm. you know but when i watch him I, I see him acting. I'm seeing a person acting. I'm not seeing Henry McHenry. I'm seeing Adam Driver acting like Henry McHenry. And it's it's like, I thought about this, and it, it's like the scenes in Black Bear where, towards the end, where Aubrey Plaza has to gather her composure when she's like really drunk and mm-hmm. act in the scene that we're yeah. watching being shot. And... In those, we praised Plaza's performance because she was able to act like she's acting so well and it be believable. Uh And then as soon as the scene in the film is done, she can go back to being her character in a way that we believe. And so for me, Adam Driver is always Aubrey Aubrey Plaza acting like she's acting or like any actor who's Uh ever had to do that in a film. And because I just... Does it work better in this film because he I is don't playing believe a performer? Him. I don't believe him ever. Like that, yeah, but, and, but and, that's, and that's my problem. But I, but I was just saying, like I could see that working for this film in the sense that he is a stage performer who clearly has an idea of how he wants to present himself, even in his private life, at least to certain people. I don't know. It, yeah, it, I, I mean, you know, I, I don't have I don't have the same read on him that that you do, and I can I can kind of understand where you're coming from. I think that there's a there's a level to his acting where I think he he's one of those performers who I feel like has a sameness to everything that he does mm-hmm. that I haven't seen him yet do something that's really taken him out of the initial sort of sphere that I saw him operating in with his acting. Broody, but he's kind of angry. But that's a sphere that people write a lot of characters that it can fit. Can you know fit. what I mean? Like he's the roles that I've seen him in, his type has fit 
those characters pretty well. Sure. And if he has and a good agent, this. of course, that's the things well, that they're yeah. going to well, look for. But, but then at a certain point, a lot of actors will want to push try to break it. Ma- and maybe he will. He needs to do more. a broad slapstick comedy. I, would, I was, was going to say, I would like to see him in a comedy, but actually it's funny because, you know, what you were just saying about him being like a performer in this movie that might work. It didn't necessarily work for me in this movie, but yeah. I think one of the reasons that I didn't hate him as Kylo Ren is because he is his character is performing all the time. Kylo yeah, Ren is performing all the time. Yeah. And so, Anywhere and so he like, w- when you see him doing the things that he's doing, like the character itself doesn't necessarily believe yeah. the things that he's saying or doing right. or whatever. And so I, and, and so I did like him in that. And it, I, yeah, I certainly don't hate him across the board, um, but I certainly don't love him. I, he's not somebody that like seeing Adam driver on a poster is more likely to kind of, get me to well, shy away from it than to well, go I, see I, it. And so that was really my biggest concern and or biggest issue with it. And what I thought was even funnier as I was watching it is that I did levy some criticism on in the Heights for singing just normal ass conversation. Yeah. And in the climactic scene and the prison holding cell mm-hmm. visitation place that does kind of happen. But as I was watching it, I, I, I thought to myself at least I was like oh this is this is the musical that I like this is the musical one where they're singing they're delivering broad themes or like general kind of here's the macro scope of what's going on and less conversational dialogue in song mm-hmm. uh, was my read on it and and so when y'all said that there was a lot of dialogue singing that didn't need to be sung I was like hi oh, I didn't see it that oh way. yeah it was distracting uh, for me every single time I I, 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 I didn't read it except that for way. that prison so- sequence that we talked yeah. about and so, and, and, and so that's a case where I agree with you that there is dialogue that doesn't necessarily have to be sung that is being sung there, but it is done so very effectively. Right. Um, and, and, and spending this much time on Adam Driver makes sense because fuck, he's in every single well, scene he is of the, the film. The film is about him. Yeah, right. It's, it, it's his and, character. And, and and I like David. I don't quite agree with you, although I completely understand your point. And you know, Marriage Story. We've talked about it. Go back and listen to that episode. I, I thought he was <laughs> freaking phenomenal in that film. I thought that the, yeah. there is an actor. You know, so uh-huh. but, but you know, it, it looks well, like and done and I think I got to give him a lot of props for taking this role and sticking with it. This is not a good character. I mean, this and is it's not a challenging a role, morally good character. This is a terribly conflicted character that I think he gives some human dimension to that I can still understand to some extent. This character, even though he's a pretty dark and despicable character, ultimately, yeah, um, is not redeemed. No, nor, nor, nor should, should he be. be. Yeah. Right, yeah. And that's what, and again, that's where I love what Sparks is doing here and, and what Caraxa in telling the story of, you know, they're showing like where sort of ambition in general, but it's certainly in the world of art, uh, where, where ambition sort of drives one to go or can. These, these negative versions, which I'm sure they have seen, you know what I mean? Yeah, They've seen yeah. manifest in creative, uh, you know, peers of theirs who've had these kind of... Now, it's amazing that it seems like, by all accounts, the male brothers, at least, have largely navigated those waters without but it's, going in the worst world. But I'm sure they're guilty of doing some... You know what well, I mean? No, they, but they, I, in their own ways. But, I mean, you know, the Sparks Brothers documentary is largely about how they never achieved... Like that big True breakout success, yeah. pop success that perhaps maybe they could like have. Henry McHenry, while or, artists continued to listen to their music and be inspired. Artists by it. did, but right. so, but I think to I think to reach the level that someone like Henry McHenry reaches in this film, and maybe the level that some of Sparks' contemporaries ended up reaching, like uh, for instance, 
every band referenced in the documentary that kind of took their proto synth pop sound and mm-hmm. took it into full blown synth pop. There is a certain level of narcissism that is required to be that successful as an artist because you have to believe that you are it's your like god given right yeah. to make something that big or ambitious or to have that many people pay attention to right. what you're creating like you can't do that without a certain degree of self importance now obviously there's a way to health to manage right, that right. healthily and, a, and some people do yeah. and some people don't i mean th- there have been several albums released recently by people <laughs> who maybe don't manage that in a healthy way um let's leave it there we'll, yeah. we'll leave it there but uh, after hours <laughs> but uh, and so it, yeah so it makes sense that you know his character is that way and it's like yeah. I, I do think that there is something to be said for the kind of subtext that's happening with his character there now I don't want the last thing I say about this film to be negative because I didn't overall feel negatively about this film, despite how distracting I feel Adam driver is and how much it is difficult for me to watch him on screen. The film is good enough to get me past that. Okay. And it is worthwhile enough that I was obviously like, Which that's a big hill to climb. It's, if a, the it's, lead a, big, it's role a big hill to climb. It is a big hill right. to climb for me. That's how I feel about and, The Rock, but you know the guy sitting next to me. Hey, I'll watch anything he's in. Jungle Cruise Two coming, baby. It's yeah. a franchise now. Uh, yeah, but, we're but just no, skipping on, on, past on. the first. Uh, yeah, a whole lot. But it's Godfather so, Two, Godfather One, they're just as incredible. Yeah, they're equal, <laughs> equally good. Jungle Cruise and The Godfather are essentially the same film. <laughs> that's uh, that's Joe's take uh, from what I just heard. Anyway, um, leave it to uh, he's French, right? The director. Yeah. Leave it to a French filmmaker to finally age appropriately cast a romantic lead couple. Yeah. I mean, that's that's one of the biggest things you see in Hollywood a lot of times is you'll see like an older guy and a like younger a 50 one. like even with the fucking fast franchise at Deckard Shaw and his sister Vanessa Kirby. I mean, they're 25 years apart, almost, yeah. you know, yeah. and when I was watching this, I was like, I think Marion Cotillard is older than him. And she's like 10 years his senior almost. Yeah. Uh, obviously still, you know, great. And outshines and, and him in terms of her beauty very easily. For sure. But also outshines him in terms of her performance. We have not, because this well, is she's Adam got, Driver's she movie. She has an incredible Sweden. singing voice. She's I in mean, the film for like six minutes. If we, you no, put all no, of her stuff. No, no, no. Like go back. Time it if you need to. I was thinking I'm probably not going to go back, Dave. I felt, oh. She's very good in this one again. I'm on the fence about whether I'll see it again. I probably will. I love Jelly Beans. Starburst is a fantastic brand of jelly beans. I hate licorice jelly beans. <laughs> licorice is ass. Will not eat them. Ooh. I feel like this Ooh, is like a... Licorice, black licorice? You I like, like that? licorice. Oh, yeah. I feel like licorice is ass should be the title of the podcast <laughs> this week. But I feel like this is a bag of licorice jelly beans with 50% so fruit jelly beans. Uh-huh. And if I dig through the licorice... I can find some beautiful, delicious jelly a bu- beans. A butter popcorn jelly bean, maybe. Um, a Dr. No, Pepper now you're talking bean. Jelly Belly, and Jelly Belly is overrated just because they do fun, fun flavors. But uh, l- l- staying with the I mean, film, fun here, flavors are fun flavors. There fun is flavors a lot fun. in this film. I, you should see this film because there are fruit oh, flavored jelly gotta, beans all in there. I'm glad y'all are setting me up to say the final thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's fine. And, and, but I, but I do think hopefully we are the ones. But I really hope that somebody, if this is being recommended to you. I hope that the person recommending it to you, which is what I'm doing right now, primes you 
for that this film is a little odd. Amazon it's Prime challenge. It's, it's, it's pretty off kilter. Amazon Prime's you. Because yeah. well, we, well, <laughs> a buddy of mine uh, who comes in the shop all the time, he saw the soundtrack in, in the racks, which uh-huh. we have, which I'm thinking maybe we give one away. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking we do that. I, that is a great record, by the way. I'm I threw that I'm gonna, on after listening, after watching the film the next day. I'm, Whew. I'm, I'm thinking. Well, you talking I'm about thinking all of that lyrical dialogue? Well, hold on. Let me finish what I was saying. Oh, uh, so Lord. this guy sees it, in a, and he was like, "Oh man, have you watched this movie yet?" And I was like, "No, I'm really excited to though. Like, yeah, I'm, it, I'm definitely going to in the next like couple of days." And he was like. It was uh, it was interesting, and I was like, uh, I was like, did you watch it all? And I'm like, no, we watched like fifteen or twenty minutes of it. Him and his wife did, and uh, he was like, yeah, it was uh, it was it was kind of weird, and and I'm sure, especially based on the conversation that I had with him, where he almost explicitly said like, oh yeah, we just saw it on on Prime, and thought like, oh, let's check it out, and so them having no idea what's happening going in, yeah, were caught quite off guard and stopped, and so. I, Watch this movie for sure, and David will kind of send it. David will kind of take <laughs> us home in this, but just know that it's a little strange. It's oh, it's a lot strange. It's surreal, it's, but not in a Lynchian way. Uh, so don't think it's going to be like that. Like it's, it's fucking a, intense, yeah, or whatever. Yeah, but yeah. it is. But it is. Well, uh, it's intense it's in its own way. Yeah, it's it's a more theatrical kind of uh, uh, strange that that we're seeing here. It's putting its. It's putting those odd elements right out there for you, and it's embracing them. Like the, like I say, I almost uh, take it in as a certain knowing jokiness, almost like a campiness that it's building in about itself. Like the way that it's pointing out, like please be, you know, uh, be patient. She's just a baby. She's just a baby. <laughs> and I mean, if you, if you saw the Sparks Brothers documentary, you know that they have that sense of yes, humor about yes, them. Yes, yes, so, yes. Yeah, and I will say, David, yeah. please take us go home, ahead, but I ahead. will say that end scene yeah. is a fucking payoff yeah. Yeah. if you have had to struggle for the two hours and 15 minutes leading I, up to it. And, and I don't think, and what I'll say is I don't think it needs to be a struggle if you go in with the right attitude. Oh, I just didn't I go watched, in with the right attitude. Fine. I'm telling you, <laughs> I watched this film with a great degree of seriousness, but also with a sense that I knew there was going to be a humorous, there were going to be many humorous dimensions. So I went in, I think, open. Um, I, I think if you watch this film and you can enjoy the music and you can go with it where it wants to go, I think you're really going to enjoy yourself ultimately. The problem is that it's hard not to get hung up on the typical expectations that we have for storytelling, for character development. For musicals. Yeah, I mean, and I think if you can revel in some of that, like I said, I think look at how, where are they staging some of this choreography? Where are they deciding to sing some of these lines? I mean, literally, Marion Cotillard sitting on a toilet, smoking a cigarette, presumably urinating while she's singing there to me, (laughs) is something I never thought I was going to see. And if you can revel in little moments like that and get get some kind of spark of uh, joy. (laughs) Man, David is punny today. but seriously, I just I found this such a pleasure to watch. I'm ser- I will put this on again. It's something that I could put on while I was cooking and kind of it, if the kids weren't home necessarily, uh, yeah. you know, and be like kind of half watching, enjoying the music, seeing some of the imagery. I mean, I yeah. think it was such a nicely shot film, so theatrical, so true. You know, staged and the set design, the costume design, everything was really there. It's just fun to see people come up with a concept and get the money and go with it. 
and and do it as well as they have here. I'm so glad that Ron and Russell Mayo got to do this that after many many attempts in yeah. the past yeah, to, film, to get something yeah. off the ground. I'm glad they did it with Leos Carax and that he's as crazy as he is, and that it, it all came together. <laughs> it had this to way. be kind of kind of crazy to yeah. go there with yeah with the Mayo so, brothers. So this is a total gem for me. I mean, we, we haven't been talking a whole lot about like the end of the year list. But I'm gonna be real surprised if this isn't like right at the top of my year end list. I don't. I don't think. I. I don't know if it makes I, my it, top ten. But it's. But it. It. it I, I could see it in honorable mention. Honorable mention status. Just if for no reason other than its ambition alone. That opening scene almost deserves. I mean, just. I got. See, I think. I think the opening scene actually kind of set me up with some unrealistic expectations because it, i was i was like oh yeah let's like this is sick like i i, I liked the song yeah. i liked seeing the brothers in there uh-huh. and i liked yeah the sparks brothers walking down the street with yeah. fucking Adam and they, and they, which, great. The, yeah. with the whole cast they do show up Fantastic. later too as, as the pilots, pilots yeah, yeah which was funny yeah, but that, that made me laugh but yeah. most of the music didn't resemble that song at all right no and i was kind no, of no it gets more operatic it. it gets more yeah. you know but but it is and i will say that the soundtrack album they did a nice job kind of editing it it's selections it's I not the entire thing well yeah it's only one the, lp right yeah. so it'd have right, to be right. i mean it's a fucking but it's nice two and a half hour movie. It, it works together as an album how do they win uh, a copy of the annette soundtrack i don't know follow us on instagram you'll have to find out there because i just <laughs> he's gonna made that, this, uh, I made that decision uh, yeah it'll probably be like here like this post and tag a friend that you think should see Annette uh, on at beer and a movie on Instagram. Um, and you should be able to, we'll figure out how to do that. Does, um, the, t- does the time of day that you drink a beer help you or hinder you from enjoying it? I prefer, I think I enjoy beer the most at like 9.30 a.m. <laughs> 75% Scottish beer is are you, impossible. Yeah. Are you segueing us into a beer I was uh, fucking review? trying to because oh, we yeah. said that David was going to have the last word 16 last words ago. Well, yeah, no, I was, I, my thought was, look, it was at the very least, even if we all didn't agree on the quality of the film, we can all agree it was fun to get to revisit Sparks. Let's revisit any more cone for a minute here folks uh we love his work um whenever we get to hear it we'll certainly be doing more films of his in the future that he scored in the future but right now we got to kind of touch back on him just by having this beer that was done in tribute to him uh and and the spaghetti westerns that he helped create the sonic landscape yeah the italian pilsner i mean i'm gonna boil it down to distill it down to one sentence it's a pilsner where they add hops on purpose a dry hop at the end it's a more aggressive hopping right absolutely i loved this and i think that while we usually have the blinds open in carlos's recording studio and we can't see out the window because it's dark outside <laughs> Having the bright light of day come uh, into the studio yeah, while yeah, yeah. we drink this beer is magnifying my enjoyment of it. The crispy, the the hops balanced with you know the the pilsner style. Whew! I would love to have totally a six agree. or a four pack in my refrigerator, and I, then you know another one after I finish the first one. Now that I hear where you went with that, Joe, I'm I'm I think it's a good point. I think trust me, these crispies uh, like this pilsner here, which has just enough sort of bite i think with the hops that it, it kind of it dries it out even more it's just it's so much a perfect 
afternoon, and here we are. It's Labor Day weekend, folks, as we're recording this, which if you're going to get behind any holiday, let it be Labor Day, right? I think I failed to mention that New Magnolia is the brewer. It's our first Uh time to have them, and they're out of Houston, Texas. Thank you. They did a fantastic job with this I not heard of them until today. Well, I hope I hear more because I do think this is a very high-quality take on the Italian Pilsner that they're doing here. Love it. I find... Clint Eastwood on the can to be distracting. I feel like I can see him acting on the can. It's more a uh, silhouette. I mean, there's a little... No, I'm just I kidding. think they blurred him out just enough to not be sued by I, anybody. You, you yeah, know, total probably, tangent. Yeah. This will go on in After Hours, but I did watch Every Someone Which Way But down. Loose last night, strangely enough. Yeah, That's so. a very interesting decision. <laughs> uh, oh, man. that um, I don't know what to do with that information. Uh, it, this beer is really good. You know... Hashtag crispy boy summer. It's it's going to still be summer here for another couple months. That's right. At least <laughs> until November. At least. And this is really good. I mean, we... I think it was on After Hours that we had that Hardwood Classic from Weathered Souls, which yep. they don't call an Italian-style Pilsner, no, but, but it it's says pretty lightly snappy. hopped on, you know. Yeah. Um, and I, I like this style. Yeah. I th- think it's very good, and I think it gives you the exact right amount of balance of like just a light kind of mass produced beer that you can session and a bit more full flavored yeah kind of um well there, it's you don't have the adjunct heavy base which you know i get it i i like some of the premium mexican lagers in fact we're we're maybe going to have one soon here on the on the show but i like these that go with it more of that pilsner malt base that it's it's a cleaner kind of uh drier flavor overall so light you know that it's something that you can really drink 16 ounces of and not feel it too badly either in the abv or just like the weight on you this was a 5.0 i didn't mention that in my opening i was so concerned about connecting it to the movie (laughs) that i left off some very valuable information well you you've you filled our listeners in new magnolia get yourself some yeah if you can find it um that I mean, that has been a net. I mean, you know, we've been uh, anticipating this one for quite a while. Uh, a little too long and slightly confusing. <laughs> I, I mean, that's an apt description for this no. portion of the show. Uh, Folks, we went in a so lot of had a good ways. time with us. You'll have a good time with Annette. If when you're we... listening to this podcast, you probably want to watch Annette. I, I mean, if you're willing to go some of the places that we go on this you're show, you're at least Annette curious. I mean, we, I don't, I don't if, know if that you're, you're going to go full bore Annette, but if you're yeah. willing to listen to a podcast that has reviewed High Life and Holy Mountain, that's right, and things like that, then yeah, you're probably going to watch this this movie, and you're probably going to enjoy it one way or the other. Um, now, we have a more. Uh, unique i would say special to us second half of the episode coming um and if the just seeing the title of this episode alone doesn't clue you in or you're not privy to what is what is happening in the second half you will find out very shortly coming up
Nobody tried to. No, I know. I thought Joe to was going to grab. I, that I thought one. so too. I was. No, I was. Uh, I was. No. I was letting him have. I think he knew I was letting him have. So uh, yeah. I don't want you to just give it to me. <laughs> he doesn't like the mercy. Toss. You know that yeah. after. I don't either. The all horror October is weeks away, and back just in weeks, episode though. sixty-one, we did a John Carpenter marathon episode where we discussed six or seven of his films. And in the second half of that, while discussing Prince of Darkness, They Live, and In the Mouth of Madness, we drank Saloon Door out of Webster, Texas's Ridiculous AF, 11% Russian Imperial Stout. And we'd had that beer, I think three of us individually, maybe together at different drinkeries around town. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, especially since that was like a pre-COVID time. Tasty AF is my preferred of the very, honestly... Yeah, because uh, normally I'm, when you get it, it's at a uh, they don't can that one, so it's at a bar and it's almost always on nitro. Right, and it it fucks that tasty AF fucks. I gotta say, when I'm in the mood, I think the ridiculous is my jam. Just because <sighs> okay. if I if I want a real hefty stout, then I kind of like it to pack the punch that uh, ridiculous does. Yeah. So well, yeah. Ridic- I'm excited for this one. I like the tasty AF because it's the punch without the dire consequences. <laughs> of it seems to me that beer. breweries that survive are in constant states of evolution, and I guess Saloon Door may be there because their newest twist on their ridiculous AF is this cocoa ridiculous. And guess what, Carlos? Get ready. It's got coconut in it. Cocoa is coconut. 11.8. We're over doubling the ABV from the first beer that we had. Oh, yeah. This is going to be thick, I imagine, as I pour it into my glass. Very, very nice. Very, very nice. Do you smell the coconut on the nose, anybody? I am. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. So I kind of teed it up. This movie's a little cocodiculous. It's the only tie-in I can come up with. <laughs> yeah, uh, not a lot of coconut in this film. But, um, yeah, so I, I, as I kind of teed up, uh, as we were wrapping up the first half of the episode, this this uh, is kind of a special film. It's kind of a, a special tie-in, um, or tie-in well, to the podcast, not to yeah, the beer, tie-in yeah. to the podcast. But um, it, So we are talking about Habit. This is a film that came out uh, just a few weeks ago. And the reason that we were at least I know I was so eager to watch it and really enthusiastic about talking about it on the show is because this is the directorial debut uh from Janelle Shirtcliffe now Janelle Shirtcliffe uh moved to Corpus when she was 12 years old and uh spent a large chunk of her childhood here yeah, when I was right. watching, I think I watched it first. Uh, the very first subtitle, kind of title card, is Corpus Christi, Texas. Uh-huh. Right. Yeah, and that and that's because I took a screenshot and sent it to both of you. Like, yeah. here we go. Yeah, mm. and that is because she co-wrote this with Libby Mintz, who's also in the who's who is in the film. Yes. Janelle is not, but Mintz is in the film, and uh, who was a childhood friend of Shirtcliffe's. Um, both grew up in or. At least spent formative years. I think uh-huh. I think Mince was born and raised here, from what they I understand. They went to high school together. Um, but yeah, yeah, they went to high school together, spent their formative years in Corpus together, and so when they decided that they wanted to uh, make a movie together, uh, they knew that they wanted to set it somewhere in Corpus or have some kind of Corpus tie-in, yeah. not set it because uh, it's not set in Corpus. But um, the main character played by Bella Thorne, Mads, is from Corpus Christi and uh, moves to L.A. It's always exciting to see people that. Are well, and, here and there's even things. Libby Mintz's sister is also in the film. So there's a third Corpus Christian there we uh, go. who, yeah. who shows up in there. Famous Lots people of... in film from Corpus Christi. Let's go around the table until we can't do any more. I'll go first. <laughs> Farrah Fawcett. 
you know, honestly, Dabney uh, Coleman. I, I was gonna say Dabney, but is he confirmed? Is he yeah, true? Yeah, okay, yeah. all right. Mine, mine actually is. <laughs> what I'm gonna say is funny because I wrote down that Gavin Rosdale looks like the British, the British version of this man, and that's Lou Diamond Phillips. Yes, from Flower Bluff. From Flower oh, Bluff. yeah, that's right. Yep. That's right. Famously arrested for drunk driving in Portland a few years ago. Yeah, he came home oh. to do some kind of charity benefit and got so, a DWI. Yeah, something like that. Okay, still, still made the event, by the way. I, I'm glad. I'm I'm glad to hear it. He, uh, just like, I think last week we were talking, yeah, with, uh, last week, he guest starred in sight. I'll show that I like. Okay. It doesn't matter. And real quick, so, Carlos, real quick, I'll let you say, if we were going to do Habit as the new release and then have a companion film that wasn't a new release, we clearly would have done The Legend of Billie Jean, the most famous yeah, film that, that shot been, here in Corpus Christi, Texas. Yeah, or we could have done that weird movie with Justin Timberlake that they filled at the filmed at the Hook oh, Stadium. Uh, <laughs> I don't remember what it was called. On the Road. Yeah. No, uh, that's not right. That was a big deal. I think more... Um, uh, I think it was something like I that. I would have gone for something in the non-sploitation genre, but, Miss you know... Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, okay, so... Back in the Habit? Yeah. yeah. Not to... Sister yeah. Act? Sister Act. Sister Act. Two. Uh, which, this... I saw a review that this film was compared to Sister Act. I think it was on Roger Ebert. Anyway, we're getting to in the weeds Nuns already. On the run. The <laughs> that's a good one. The, Eric Idle, Eric come Idle, on, baby. Yeah. Robbie Coltrane. <laughs> the plot <laughs> of this film is that Mads, played by Bella Thorne, uh, gets caught up in like a drug deal gone wrong, and her and her friends, who are sisters, one of which is Libby Mintz. Um, pose as nuns to try to uh dodge this drug kingpin that is after them yeah and hide out and hide out and then and so and and so that's the conflict is they lose 20 grand the drug dealer who their drug dealer owes owes that money to ultimately Yeah. yeah so they're working for gavin rosdale this guy eric he's a washed up actor with a coke habit that started dealing drugs to maintain his habit uh because he spent all his money on drugs presumably um and that higher echelon dealer Queenie is feared and ruthless <laughs> and you know whatever and so she's the one that is eventually going to come for them right right because they owe her money and so them trying to get the money back or trying to hide out that's yeah it's not simple enough the they see yeah. a nun a real nun on the side of the corner at the corner uh doing you know donations yeah. and people dropping money in a bucket so they say hey Mads, if we can, if we can find it. 3 None habits wardrobe we can do the same which she thing. had already flirted with before right we've seen her yeah. she was wearing the partial what what the part of it, head yeah. part of the habit out yeah. to the club when they were selling the drug that's called a whipple thank you the yeah. whipple thank you I'm the, we need Joe on the uh, religious uh, terminology <laughs> they, here they do say it, they do talk about it okay in the film. yeah they make a joke about it yeah uh, so yeah I mean that that's the basic premise of the film and. And then a lot, and then a lot of drug fueled, crime fueled, kind of um, action that you, that you've seen in other films, but yeah. like you know the henchmen getting them being pursued and them trying to evade ruthless killers that yeah. are after them, and but certainly with a comic kind of flavor to the entire thing. Yeah, I mean. Uh, I, and a, an important part of this film that um, should be mentioned is that consistently through the entire thing, we get um, Bella Thorne's character, Mads, her 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 inner monologue coming through. So it, we you know we kind of have a narrator to a certain extent, mm-hmm. um, and so and, and on top of that, I mean like so, 
there are these kind of drone aerial view shots of of la i'm presuming right. that are given this kind of like vaporwave filter yeah. over them which i really i really enjoyed that actually L- look like they're um, you know they were recorded off of uh television with a vcr yeah. in the 80s and, and you're just and, playing it back a few years later and, and the tracking's off yeah, yeah and sometimes get some weird like color filters on them and stuff so the entire thing has a borderline surrealist kind of feel to it maybe that's sure. a, but like hyper stylized clearly not oh, yeah. clearly not aiming it. for like intense realism you know this isn't like true romance or something that's supposed to be like the nitty-gritty real world right. of like the underground like mm-hmm. drug culture or business no, or anything no, like that no. there's it's, always a sheen to everything the yeah. colors are beautiful in the film really hyper stylized yeah. lighting like yeah. like i thought about it at the in the 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 scene at the very end uh where bella thorne is in her car by herself and then is discovered later by a real nun i was thinking like man she really tricked this car out because the lighting is like this bright blue and it Mm -hmm. looked like she like had all these like led lights in her like inside of the camera it was very you know everything's very stylized and like from the very beginning of this movie the first thing that struck me was that it has a very um it, it has a very clear vision and aesthetic, like for the aesthetic of the no film. No doubt. You know, uh, yeah. Shirtcliffe clearly has. Shot selection choices, too. Uh, the way that they frame shots to put the most beautiful thing on the shot. Yeah. Uh, from the from the angles of her gold, whatever car she was driving that was more, what was it? Ford you know, LTD. There you yeah. go. To Great a car. lot of the shots of religious iconography. Yeah. Because the first thing that I was struck with the film, Carlos, when she is in prayer mm-hmm. to a crucifix on a wall, I believe. And a trailer, yeah. Was a very interesting relationship that our lead character was going to have with the figure of yeah. Jesus yeah. as he's presented in the Catholic faith. Interesting, I think, is an understatement to that relationship. Well, I was yeah. opening it up for anyone else who wanted to take it <laughs> yeah. to some other level. Yeah, um... Yeah, she has a sexual relationship with yeah. Jesus in yeah. her mind. Yeah, I mean, and it, which becomes more and more apparent as the film goes on. Yeah. I mean, it's developed in various ways, and you know, and probably comes to its you know apex when we get the strange, like surreal dream sequence slash religious experience that she has with Paris Jackson embodying mm-hmm. the the spirit of Jesus Christ or whatever. Yeah. Um, you know, which I kind of applaud it for, for going so full on into this different conception of one's relationship. If I take if I take any issue with it, it's that it's not set up enough for me to have fully gone along with it as much as I would like to have. Like, I, I kind of like the idea that this film seems to be wanting to take this kind of weird mix of religious devotion that maybe one picks up as a child but certainly not from her parents because you know the opening no. of the film is all about how her mother was not that way and you know and didn't and sort of ostracized her for being re- yeah, religious yeah like openly so ridiculed her, her. so it, 
I mean, I kind of love the idea that I feel like there's the seed of this idea that, well, her religious experience was tied up in youthful rebellion and kind of got twisted into these other forms of youthful rebellion that are more traditional, like what she's experiencing with these roommates of hers and the way that they get into drugs and the the way that they get selling drugs in particular, the trouble that they get into and how it's all kind of intertwined and it's all part of her relationship with you. It's really a complicated kind of character that you're trying to build there mm-hmm. that I'm I'm really impressed by them trying to build that character but it's a hard character to build and so there were parts of it yeah. that didn't feel like it all gelled in the way that I wanted it to now I, I give a lot of credit here and I don't know much about Bella Thorne beyond this I feel like this will be controversial I think she's pretty good in this I was totally. We 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 talked about her uh, when we did All Horror October last year. The baby. She of course was in oh, the babysitter. Thank you. Yes, one and she's two. the cheerleader. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. But she's, she's she's not a huge part. That. But no. good. But good. She's yes. very good in it. Yeah. But yeah. Not she the gets lead dispatched. Character. I think she was quickly. a Disney star coming up. The stuff with Bellator is kind of complicated, and it's I don't think it's really worth getting into in Agreed. terms of the review of this film. But I think David, that you're right that it is such a complicated character that they are constructing. And if I have any, like, really, I don't know, serious gripes with this film, I think that, I think it's with character, uh, characters. And I realized it probably about 45, 50 minutes into the film as things were really ramping up with the Queenie character that I just didn't feel that I had quite enough understanding of who these three women were to be like really invested in what's happening, mm-hmm. you know, in an emotional way, you know, we did get some, we get a little bit of it with Mads where we get these like flashbacks and things like that about, you know, her mother being abusive and then like seemingly overdosing on heroin, uh, from what I gathered at yeah. least in, in terms of that and her. And so then her complicated relationship with like drugs and addiction as it like, stems as a result from that but it's there's just a certain lack of like clear motivation for the characters less so with Mads and her the two sisters but I just think if this movie were maybe like 15 or 20 minutes longer and there was some way to kind of weave in where these women come from why how did they end up in well that's kind of seedy underground drug culture life you know, a little more build up there because a it, it's a pretty build, abrupt, jump it's an abrupt cut that we get from this early like, what, her teenage years is she supposed to be a teenager She's probably in that preteen yeah. at that point which i found a little 12? bit i'll just say like the casting on that that particular actor who was playing her at a younger age mm-hmm didn't look a whole lot like her and looked kind of older than what i would thought a tween <laughs> like i was confused sure, yeah. honestly i thought it was a character a different character that we were going to return back to i thought the cut from corpus christi to her in the car even with the voiceover narration the first time i watched it i thought oh these are different people right it R- was i a grown up i yeah. actually had to go back and make sure oh no that that's supposed to be her grown up yeah um did your daughters want to watch it with uh, Bella Thorne in the film? I hope that they... See, uh, we missed the Bella Thorne era on okay. Disney Channel, so I don't have any built-in audience there for, from them. But they did watch with me, and I'll tell you what they said. They said, "I'm no, I'm just kidding. I never watched it. <laughs> uh, I feel like, <laughs> Carlos, I mean, to your point, which I agree with, I feel like that element of the film is underbaked, and I feel like a lot of the film is underbaked. And you can see that it's a 
I mean, unless Gavin Rosdale took some kind of big salary, it's a very low-budget film by a first-time filmmaker. And while we root for and hope for the best for our hometown girl, I'll call her my home girl, if you will. <laughs> sure. I, what was delivered here ultimately is a little unsatisfying across every element of kind of filmmaking outside of the visual be- beauty. I'll, beauty I'll say, of hey, the film. you know, I, I was thinking about this a little bit because I, I think I'm a little bit more positive overall on, on this film and in part because of the visuals that you were talking about sure. earlier. And that relationship with Christ and religion, which any film that wants to play with those things, I, I'm probably like going to want to see yeah, if, it's, yeah, yeah. if it's done well. And, and I think that there were some, like I said, I think that this was a concept that was worth exploring. And if the only problem that I have is that it didn't quite get far enough in like working out working through those threads tying them together in the way that I was that was going to make it a, a fully kind of a realized experience but imagine putting this on we've used this category before many times the party film fantastic I, yeah I, could you not put this on in the background I would. of course it, you could arresting because images, of the visual component yeah. the, of it people's eyes are going to be drawn to the screen which absolutely. is exactly what you're I hoping mean, for and on some level you know if you can disconnect yourself from the need for that kind of narrative development and and you know we talked about this with Annette Here's a connection, right? That if you can sort of pull yourself back from needing it to progress in the way that you feel like films should, just based on your past experience with film storytelling, yeah, crime, th- drugs. I think films. there's something that yeah. is there's some commentary in there. I think that's maybe part of what we haven't addressed here. I think that there's an interest on the part. I, ha- I have to attribute it to Shirtcliffe, I guess. Here and and I guess Mintz is as her co-screenwriter mm-hmm. in really like sort of. Yes, playing into some of the tropes of action film and and sort of crime film mm-hmm. of the past three or four decades at right. least, but also kind of critiquing parts of it and definitely putting some things into different contexts than than we would normally think of them. I think some of that commentary maybe clashes with the with what we were feeling as the need to develop certain kind of characters, and that I guess ultimately, if I have you know, a overarching criticism. It's I want this film to decide whether or not it wants me to invest in the characters or invest in the kind of meta commentary that it might have about action films and, and tropes within them. And so I think if it could work those things out, it would have been a masterpiece. I think as it is, it's really kind of provocative in its own ways and and certainly worth a look. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, you know, it's, it's kind of one of those things like, um, you know, I know it's a touchy topic and I, I'm not trying to provoke anybody, but like with Cabin in the Woods, <laughs> uh, <laughs> like the characters in that movie are so specifically archetypes. constructed as critiques mm-hmm. of the archetypal five characters that go into the cabin in the woods that get dispatched until you have the final girl, the version at the yeah, end. Yeah. And it's, it's very clear what it's critiquing. It's very clear how it's critiquing it. And you know, it, although it's not super digestible because I've talked to many people that are, are, are like, oh, that character was not believable. And it's like, yeah, no shit. That's the whole point. <laughs> so like clearly people, not everybody got what Cabin right, was doing, right. but it was as clear as it could have been. Yeah. And, and in this case, you know, if it was going that direction or at least Bella Thorne's character in the babysitter too, she's also a cartoon and yeah. also a caricature of an archetype and stuff like that. Right. And so if, if that was the intention it could have been a little more explicit which i also am like 
hesitant to even levy that criticism against it because usually when things are too laid out for you, we're like, oh, yeah. it was a little too... Yeah, no, they, you know, and so the fact that this is kind of doing things in a more complicated way, I mean, I think the fact that we're even having this discussion is a merit to, like, that you should watch this movie to kind yeah. of see where you're falling in what it's doing. But I think at the very least, it's like a, a fun romp. I mean, I was, I was just reading... Um, an article that our local newspaper did about Shirtcliffe and this film. And she said that, you know, she's quoted in that article as saying like, you know, maybe don't take it so seriously, you know, and just have fun with it. And like, I think you cannot take it seriously. And, um, I should have just pulled the article up. So I got to quote it. Yeah. But it was something to that effect of like, Uh and you can still get the message of what, of what is going on here and stuff like that. And so I think that, it is fun, and even as I was watching it, I was watching it. It was just, it was just me and my, it was just me and Kylie, you know, my yeah. wife, whatever. And uh, were we, you about to it, say it was just me and my woman? No, I was, I was gonna, <laughs> I, I was gonna say me and my wife, but then I was like, no, I should, give, I should say her name. She has a name, you know. Uh, what did she think? Kylie and I were watching it. Well, and we didn't talk a whole lot about it afterwards because um, we're in a weekend of cleaning and doing things around the house and uh-huh. stuff. Since we have a little extra time. Um, we talked about it a little bit, but I, you know, I talked on Patreon a couple of weeks ago about watching that movie House. Yeah. The Japanese, oh, the Japanese movie. Yeah, yeah. And where stuff is happening and me and my friends, you know, I watched it with a couple of friends and we're looking at each other like, what the fuck? You know, like, yeah, you know, yeah. and just kind of like, holy shit, that just happened. And I think yeah. that this is, is, again, just to reiterate the party film thing, I think really great for that because, you know, especially when... Bella Thorne's got her fucking head out the window screaming like, I love you, JC. You're my yeah. man. You yeah. know, just like there's some really kind of funny there's moments and really strange and, and, moments, strange yeah. and kind of funny. And I think, I think that's meant, I hope that well, least, the queenie character, funny. we haven't really, the queenie like, character is like, so strange and like kind of menacing, but really not menacing. And my critique with her was that we never saw what made her earn so the reputation feared, yes, of being right. so fierce. As close as we get is like the, Gavin Rossdale torture scene. But yeah, that but it's never... more of her cowboy and, and partner the torture scene yeah. of doing the that. torture scene of one of the three girls right. when she's laid out that's on that true. table. That, but that's escapes. very quick, and she it's takes the upper hand very sure. quickly. Yeah. I think that her the largest threat is that she has a henchman with her, yeah. who's a bit comical. Who uh, oh, I love will kill you. you. And he's uh, will kill you. I think guitarist and the killers or something he's a he's a a musician yeah yeah habits there were several musicians habits available on all the streaming services it's a five dollar watch i mean i'm sure it'll end up on you know like a prime yeah and if you want to if you want to like support a home girl our home girl then uh maybe give it a watch and honestly i do i think there's enough in there that it's it's really exciting to see a new filmmaker get this kind of. I hope that she's able to make some more stuff here in the future. Certainly, uh, and, again, she, I think, and she expressed interest of filming something in Corpus, which would be great. That'd be I mean, great. I, I know a lot of people that sure. are willing to sign up to be on that crew. <laughs> uh, you know, and sure, yeah, and you know, exciting to watch because a clear, like, she has a very clear talent for the visual aspect of filmmaking. Well, um, she wants she wants to go outside the lines. Yeah, she definitely and, is not interested in traditional pathways and storytelling. Yes, which which I like. The only thing that I wish I had gotten out of this film that I didn't is a thorough understanding 
of who she is and her point of view. You yeah. know, I, I feel like I didn't get quite as much of that. I got a really fun movie yeah. with a lot of great elements to it. Mm-hmm. I, and I thought some of the musical choices in it were great too. There were some good music yeah. in the movie. Um, but I think that whatever she does next will be exciting. And I, I personally will definitely be eager to see it. Yeah. Right on. Well, so it's, it's always exciting to get turned on to something that's underground. I mean, I feel like this is good. This film is, uh, something that's kind of an, underground could ter- turn into like a cult film of sorts. I think it's kind of positioned that way. In, in a we live in sense. a very Catholic city. If you look at the demographics yeah. of where yeah. we live and the idea that someone who grew up here probably steeped, oh, probably, sure. I don't know, yeah. steeped in that tradition at the very least surrounded by who it. was yeah. willing to explore <sighs> Some, con- controversy yeah. with the religion Brave and yeah. Yeah. and Bella Thorne, as I understand it, read the script, fell in love with it, produced the film. Yeah. She's, she's got that it. much cachet and, around and town. Her and her and Shirtcliff seem to have struck up a friendship because uh, Janelle Shirtcliff is credited as a cinematographer, as the cinematographer on like a reality series that Bella Thorne has coming okay. up. Sure, uh, okay. that's like it, 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 if you go yeah. to Janelle Shirtcliff's. IMDb, IMDb and look okay. at upcoming projects. You'll see that cool. one. And so, like, yeah. they've they're clearly and, and vibing rela- each other. Creatively. And when it comes to low budget filmmaking, being able to do that much visually with the budget that you have and the relationships that you've created in Hollywood, yeah. to put those things out, this I, is a success. I would love to know what the budget was because. Yeah. You want David yeah. and I to vamp a little bit while you're looking? <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I've 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 already looked it up and I couldn't yeah. find it, but. Um, you know, another thing is, and it's it's a simple thing, and it doesn't really, I guess, say a whole lot about the film as a whole. But I really like the title sequence. Like, yeah. I, so, just that was a note that I I made that I didn't mention, but I just I think it's worth noting because just like from literally the second the movie starts, you are being told, here is somebody with a vision for what the aesthetic of this is going to be, you know. Two more quick things. I enjoyed the hypersexualization. Let me start that. Let me let me say that sentence again. I enjoyed the sex forward thinking of our protagonists. Uh-huh. Uh, not not I mean I, I just enjoy the idea that we're not putting girls in a box. Yeah. Number two, Ioni Sky from Say Anything shows up. And we haven't even mentioned that yet. And that was kind of a weird casting thing in a in a in a film like Sister this. of one of the producers. Yeah. Is that how it, is? There's is that how it came together? another character from the okay. babysitter franchise too. She the is the convent um, where they're hiding out. The convent yeah. Well, it's not a convent. She's just no, a, she, she's it's just like a rich her home and she yeah. benefactor that's allows them to yeah. stay there while right. they're yeah. She she from what this librarian uh-huh. tells Mads, Bella yeah. Thorne's character, has uh, a history of taking in wayward nuns, which how many wayward nuns there are? Oh, there's sure. a lot. You, uh, come on. Man. Oh yeah, Let's I see them all the time. Yeah. <laughs> Panhandling. No, well, we do I have a convent not too far. We well, do. Know, yeah, it's just, just down the street. About, but, yeah. but so they have a place. <laughs> they're not right. But then sometimes until they're wayward, Carlos. Yeah, yeah. Right. Until the until the convent is bursting at the seams <laughs> as it is pitched in. Uh, well, in the film had a bit of cocodiculousness to it. It sure did. I mean, look. One might say. You know, regardless of whether this is a film that you want to put on in the background or a film that you really want to like sink your teeth into either way, there are some ridiculous aspects to it. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, on its, 
on its surface, it wants you to see some ridiculousness. Yeah. Um, so I, I, which I is what this beer, this, this pairing, us to do too, yeah, is is not a bad one actually. Ridiculous AF, a, a beer we've talked about before. You add a little coconut to it. You're up at eleven point eight. Eight. Right. I mean, come that's on. now that if I have a criticism, I first of all let me just say I'm enjoying drinking this. But if I have a criticism, it's that the coconut on the nose is not coming through in the flavor oh, in the I way I would like it to. You're getting a lot of coconut in the flavor. Oh, well, hold on. I didn't say a lot. I, I think it's just the right amount. I like Saloon yeah. Door. I, I, they have had a few coconut. misses throughout. The, we've, we've talked about them, not even though we haven't had the, the, some of the misses on the show. The Ridiculous to me is not a miss. The Tasty AF is not a miss. And this Coco Ridiculous is not a miss at all. It's giving me a balanced base which i already like with some you know coconut evolution i i i I enjoyed this one very much i i I. i'm i'm curious how much more coconut you want because i feel like i'm getting it's there you're getting a lot i don't know i think that pilsner fucked him up (laughs) i don't know if i'm getting a lot like no it's there i got it on the nose but it's certainly there in the maybe it's Maybe it's more in the nose than in the actual flavor. Just, I'm, I'm feeling out, like but. the nose was so inviting. I wanted it to turn out like for me. Here's there's, what, here's what there's a do. high bar. Here, that slam I, the rest that of I have this in and tell these me what dark beers that do coconut, and it it's death by coconut. Yeah, and for me, this tastes the, a lot like death by coconut to me, it, with just the coconut notched down a little bit. So it just makes it. That's why I feel like there's no false advertising on this can, David. No, it, no, there's not. Listen, this is a great beer. I'm not. I'm David just said, saying. Fuck this beer. Yeah, fuck Saloon Door. <laughs> wow. This is not what I'm saying. You're putting words in my mouth. I am simply saying I could have done with more coconut in the flavor, especially like that sweet kind of uh, you know. More robust presence of coconut. I, that's all I'm going to say. I mean, right. I just I, I, I could imagine I, it containing that, and me thinking it was an even better beer because of it. Can I make a suggestion? Please. I want you to pour some of this beer in your glass, and I want you to bring the glass close to your face. Okay. Not quite to where you're drinking, but close to your face. Exhale. Yeah. And then as you take a sip, yep. inhale as I'm inhale and let all let those two senses work together. They were I was doing that. that. Yeah, I, I recognize that work that together. smell and taste work together. You'll get it all. And I still think it could go further. No. Saloon door, you it's did a it. minor criticism. No. You yeah. did it, Saloon Door. Um don't listen to him. No, I think it's a it's a good beer. Um <laughs> it's a great beer. Oh, so it's a great beer now. I said yeah, I great. I I'm said just, great. I'm just kidding. I'm just Run the tape back. 11.8 is easily swayed yeah, at this point. I'm just kidding, dude. It's okay. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Oh, what a fun <laughs> episode. I like it when we do these two double uh, I love new a double releases. new release episode. Just because there's so many fucking movies coming out. Carlos, that I know that you're about to tell us what the films are for next week. I don't know what they are. I don't either. Yeah, we haven't come up with that yet. No, we haven't. And we we had two really good weeks where we planned pretty thoroughly ahead and were able to give our listeners uh-huh. a heads up so that they could prepare for next week's Are we episode. doing Shang-Chi and the Nine Rings or whatever it's called? I don't know. I don't want to. Uh, I don't think we will. Um, but I don't know. Who the fuck knows? And this is why it's so important for you to continue the conversation with us and to follow us on all of the social media channels because we don't sometimes it's a last minute decision what we're going to be talking about next week so if because we can't tell you right now if you want to 
stay up to date and be able to kind of prep a little bit ahead of time, uh, you need to follow us on social media to keep up to date with everything that's going on with the show. Um, you can follow us on Twitter at Beer Movie Show, Instagram at Beer in a Movie. That's where I will be giving away uh, a copy of the vinyl soundtrack for Annette. Um, Facebook.com slash Beer in a Movie TX, Beer in a Movie Podcast.com. It has a link to listen to all of the episodes, which I'm sure you can find on whatever podcast getter place wherever you get your podcast you can probably find it there but what you can also find on the website is a map of all of the beer that we have ever drank in the history of the show which is uh kind of interesting to look at and then of course patreon.com slash beer and movie podcast five dollars a month gets you a bonus episode every single week um and i think especially as it relates to the film habit i am suspecting that there might be some exciting content coming up there sooner or later we will see how that pans out but don't count it out you definitely want to keep an eye on the patreon if you're listening to this on apple podcast please rate review and subscribe uh, it really helps the algorithm do what it do if you leave a written review maybe one day i will review your review on the show as uh i have some notoriety for doing um and um yeah i think that about wraps it up for this week until next time no one is ever ready for a mildly offensive evening with the Ape of God. 